0: Lord, in our culture, if I were to ask if anyone had ever been cursed before, not in bad words, but a curse, we might look up and say, what are you talking about? And yet we all were cursed, under the curse of sin. And yet on that glorious morning, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that curse was lifted. And yes, while it awaits to see its eternal culmination, the work, the deed it's already done. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Hallelujah. He's risen from the grave. Amen. Christ is risen. Before I begin the message, I just offer greetings to those who may be watching online, including my bride who is in Sacramento, California, gathering up uh, the home so that the family might move to Texas. And for all uh, others who are watching, welcome. During my time, uh, I spent a year working in a hospital where I carried, when I was on duty, the trauma pager, that would be the ER pager when so- someone came in the, the ER. It was always a marvel to me when someone would come into the ER because I was impressed at how efficiently and effectively people moved. Everyone knew their job, they knew what they were to do, they did it. The movements were choreographed, almost like a, a dance. I'm actually reminded of my bees. So I've been keeping bees now for about three years, and all their movements are purposeful. They're all beneficial, and, uh, and, and they're all deliberate. So, you know, ER folks are at their busiest uh, when they're trying to save a life. One winter's day, a... A young man with a gunshot wound to the head was rushed into the ER, and everyone was intent on saving his life. There was zero concern about his socioeconomic status, his education, his ethnicity. Nothing mattered except to save the young man's life, and they worked so hard. No unnecessary words or movements, only commands... Observations and necessary movement. No panic. Almost frenetic, though, from an outside perspective, but the pace was as required. However, slowly, one by one, each one had done all they could do, and they stepped aside. Finally, there was only one ER doc. Essentially, you heard clear And then clear. And then finally clear. And then without a word it all stopped. There was nothing left to be done. Only to leave a couple of nurses to clean. And me to pray. And to wait for the grieving family to arrive. When you have done... All you can do and life or dream are shattered beyond repair when silence enters into the room, when that which is precious to you is utterly and completely lost, when the shadows that have gathered just drop down like a curtain of doom. There's no more helpless feeling. And it's then... It's only in that moment of utter helplessness do you fully appreciate the resurrection and the need for the resurrection. I need resurrection because my brother right now is in the hospital, too sick to operate. I need resurrection because my mom and my stepdad were killed in an automobile accident. I need resurrection Because my nephew was killed in action in Iraq. I need resurrection because one of my daughters has an incurable autoimmune disease. I need resurrection because I've heard the last words of far too many people. I need resurrection because I've dealt with both the living and the dying in combat. I need resurrection because my childhood was closer to dead-end street than it was to main street. But most of all, I need resurrection because one day I will die. And those that I love will die. And you, why do you need resurrection? I mean, has your life been so free from pain that you don't need resurrection? Have you not faced misery ever? Have you never buried a loved one? Have you never buried a dream? Somehow, I I just, I don't think so. In fact, I'm convinced that we all need resurrection some more. Our world is filled with injustice, indifference, selfishness, despair. And yet, the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers us a way of being that transcends the world. The resurrection means that not only can we embrace God's promise of a better world, but we can also choose to participate in, in this world as children of the kingdom of light in a way that can only be spoken of as abundant. But to do that we need resurrection. The resurrection has the power to transform tragedy, to heal brokenness. It it clears darkness away and gives us a vision sometimes i feel like uh, i'm more like mary magdalene than than i am others who when she went to the tomb of jesus on that early morning her pain and her tears were so profound that she could not see the lord who was standing in front of her until he spoke her name and when he spoke her name resurrection happened the veil was removed from her eyes the very crux of christianity is that christ rose from the dead and as such it's been under attack from the very beginning there has never been a time from day one that the resurrection has not been under attack and the idea the notion of the resurrection would have been crushed crushed into nothingness early on, except there were so many eyewitnesses. You can't hide it. As the Apostle Paul said to King Festus, this thing was not done in a corner. In other words, go ask anybody. We heard that already this morning. Are you the only one who doesn't know the things that have happened in Jerusalem they're talking to the very one those things happened to. This specific attack against the resurrection then, and actually now, is done very often not by outsiders. I mean, they don't, why attack? Why would a, why would a non-believer attack? Why waste their time on something that they would say is nonsense to begin with? they wouldn't even mess with it it's like you guys you, you go away i mean seriously they just brush it off no these attacks primarily come from within the larger family so to speak that is men like Hymenaeus and alexander they taught that the resurrection was past that is the resurrection has nothing to do with your body when you're resurrected you're resurrected as a spirit And that's all you're resurrected as. And in fact, that resurrection actually occurred when you came to know Christ as Savior. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we will be embodied, that we will be resurrected from the dead. Paul puts together one of his most powerful arguments in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 for this great fundamental of the faith. We're going to look at it for just a few minutes. And his argument, though, is based on, I don't even know, I don't know what you would call it. It's a premise, of course, but it's something that even precedes that. It's almost, it's more like a warrant than it is anything else. And that is this. Christianity is not a religion of ideas and principles. Rather, it is one of events. Why do I say that? I say that because all great religions have ideas and principles. They all do. These are in common. And in fact, many of them are held in common one with another. But Christianity rests upon the great acts of God in history. And the validity of those is only if those events occurred. I mean, without certain events, Christianity offers no more, no more than any other great religion constructed by people. It wasn't a teaching about the flood that destroyed almost everything on the earth. It was the flood. It wasn't some notion that God calls you from some place To another place, a promised land in your heart. That may be true, but he called Abraham to leave the place where he was and to go on an actual journey to an actual land. In the New Testament, we find the same thing, and that is a story about a God-man. The Greeks attempted to do this many times. They were never successful. They failed. But it wasn't the story if the story is not true, it is meaningless. It is Jesus Christ, the God-man. Jesus was born. He grew up in Galilee. He lived. He taught. He died. He rose from the grave. That's what gives us hope. In 1 Corinthians fifteen 20, I'll begin at the end. That is, Paul wrote, But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In fact, I love this word as I love most words. It's used in court cases as something to prove that which is already established. It's an established fact already. He's not trying to establish the fact. He's using... A word that speaks of an established fact. In fact, the resurrection. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. There's simply no way uh, for me to overstate the importance of this claim. If this were a myth, if this were a dream, if this were simply some Christian hope that somebody dreamt of, back then or maybe even perhaps came out of emotional or mental instability then the entire fabric of christianity tears apart and falls to the ground in other words to deny the bodily resurrection is to deny christianity i know that's i know that's strong language But it's exactly what Paul argues. Without the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there is no resurrection for us. There's only the tomb. And it will not be empty. Jesus will be there in the tomb. We with him among the dead. It's only when we understand that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, except the fact that his body came from the tomb, do we have any basis for hope at all. Paul reminds us in verses 1 through 8, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What are you talking about, Paul? He goes on to explain For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Too many eyewitnesses to deny the claim the truth could not be suppressed. And, and yes, it is true that the early apostles and those who went out preaching the gospel, they did preach about peace of heart. They did preach about moral standards and conduct. But the basis of the gospel was that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead and not a philosophy, a historical fact. There would not be a church had this not been the message. Uh, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's crystal clear. Where were the disciples at the crucifixion? Other than John, they weren't even there. The women were the only ones who had the courage to be at the cross, to watch him die. The women were the ones who went to prepare his body for the tomb. The men, where were they at? Some of them were halfway to Galilee by then. Who knows? They were hiding. They were out there somewhere. They didn't want to die. They didn't want to suffer the same fate. They were gone. They were not at the tomb. If you had believed the words of Jesus Christ, where would you have been? Sitting at the tomb. Waiting is now the time. No. it's not what happened. Even when he was talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, what did he say? You Foolish! It's slow! Slow! Here, let me explain, he says. Paul reminds us that there is resurrection. And they needed resurrection. You can't miss this. In three days... There were 12 people plus whoever else that turned the world upside down. Where does that come from? Oh, I know what we could do. Let's all sit around. Okay, how can we do this? Oh, we can say that he was risen from the dead. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. Ooh, let's get excited. Are you excited with me? He's dead over there in the tomb. We've got to go steal his body, but let's... let's, That's no, no, you know, this kind of excitement they had. It was, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, perhaps it has. I hope so. It's only happened to me a few times, mostly during football games. But anyway, that's all right. Where you, without thought, without anything, you jump up, right? And you're just, yeah, I did that at a Sandy Patty concert once. It was, it was, it was great. Fortunately, everybody did it at the same time with Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty. What a great song that they sang. But anyway, you can't generate that kind of emotion based on a lie. And you're not going to delude that many people. You're just not. There are too many eyewitnesses. Paul writes in verse 14, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. That is, if the event is not a historical fact, then Christianity is a waste. It's an empty faith, it's vain. I mean, think about Paul. He traveled incessantly all over the Roman Empire. He preached, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was jailed. Bad things happened to Paul. In his life, one of the passages says he, they despaired of life. His life was danger and peril. And what about the converts? You think the converts fared any better? Many fared much worse. There are different ways to die. But the apostles preach the message in these societies and in the presence. Sometimes, can you imagine? Paul preaching the gospel early on, especially where he's actually preaching to people who were witnesses to the resurrection what an amazing what an amazing thing that would be and they established churches they established this entire movement over what a joke a lie you can get one person to do that i can take you to places today where they'll tell you that they're jesus or someone else you're not going to get 500 people to do that it's just not going to happen Paul continues his argument in verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. That is, what they were preaching, he's acknowledging, would be a lie. They would be liars, they would be false witnesses, and they would be... Deliberate distorters of the truth. If what we say about the resurrection is untrue, then you cannot believe what? You can't believe anything that we say. It goes further if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I mean, this means if the literal bodily resurrection is not true, then there is no hope for forgiveness. There's nothing in the gospel that is true. Because the resurrection is the proof that the death He suffered on the cross actually accomplished deliverance of sin. He doesn't stop. He, he keeps pounding this verse 18 then then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If the resurrection story is untrue then when you lay a loved one in the grave you have no If this story is not an actual fact, then hope of life beyond the grave simply crumbles. There is no ground for optimism at all. And there's certainly no grounds for rejoicing today, this day, when we celebrate Christ's victory over death. And then, as if the darkness couldn't get any worse, Paul continues... In verse 19, If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. That is, if the resurrection is true, then Christianity is no better than any other pagan philosophy. It has nothing to offer in any eternal value whatsoever. Why? Why? Would you give your life for such a foolish dream? Why would you allow yourself to be condemned to the dogs or the lions in the arena or to be crucified and set on fire? Why would you spend your time like this, what we're doing right now, in worship, in prayer? I mean, Wouldn't you rather be out Golfing or playing soccer or watching TV or some people still sleeping. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just try to enjoy the day? Because that's all you're going to get. That's it. You have some feeling at a sunrise or a sunset? Cherish it because there's no more than that. Why invest a fortune spreading the gospel? Why invest your life spreading the gospel? If it's a pack of lies, then we're just a bunch of pitiable fools. But Paul understands not just resurrection, but the resurrection. And back to where I started in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The firstfruits. Of those who have fallen in sleep. In fact. Too many witnesses to deny. And not only that. But he's the first. uh, uh, First fruits. Which means that if. He arose. So too. Shall we. Not only in spirit. When God saves you. He doesn't just save your spirit. He saves you. The whole You your soul, your body, that the whole creation has been, since the fall, afflicted and groaning for this salvation to occur. The natural world fell. Our inner world fell. But when Christ came to redeem, He redeemed it all. We don't even think about that very much, but the physical universe through Christ's death, has also been redeemed, restored one day to Eden once more, to the original creation, the place where we, we hope. And that's our hope. Our hope is that we gather here in order to remind ourselves of a hope beyond the grave, A hope that's based on Christ's resurrection. A hope that somehow we will survive death and we will do so bodily. Romans 3.23 tells us though that we are separated from God because he is holy and we're not. And we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all under the curse of sin. We cannot measure up to his standard. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We do not have the capability. We do not have the capacity. But Almighty God's plan of redemption to send His only Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to live a perfect life. We read this morning to be made sin for us. He went to the cross, He paid the penalty. For our sin, and it's only in trusting Him do we have the forgiveness that is granted. But it's only because He came back from the grave that we know the cross meant anything. The resurrection is central to everything that we believe. I mean, you may be surprised that the resurrection has anything to do with your present, but it does. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, he gives us those who believe the same power. That same power is available to us that brought him back from the dead so that we can live a life that's worthy of his calling. Ephesians 1:19 and 20 says this, What is? the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. In other words, our life anew, our salvation, it is true, was driven by the same power of God. That rose Christ from the dead. and when we, we struggle when we try to live our Christian life on our own. If someone says oh living the Christian life is hard. They don't know what they're talking about. They are yet unsure of what it really is. It's impossible. You can't do it. Not you. Christ can do it through you. We depend on his power. He will give us that. And finally, because Jesus rose from the grave, he became a guarantee, a guarantee, a a promise that one day, if we should die before he comes back to this earth, we will come back from the grave. But there are those who will be alive. We looked at this when we studied 1 Thessalonians, but I, I feel like it's worth reading again. 1 Thessalonians four fourteen through 17. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's a guarantee that we have as believers. And all the promises that we have Hinge on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ had not come from the grave, we would have no hope. We would die in despair. And there are many people today who are dying in despair. Even, I'm not even talking about stopping breathing or heartbeat. There are the living dead among us. And that's not a reference to any stupid zombie movie. It's the truth It's the truth. Those who do not know Jesus Christ will die in despair. But when we place our trust in Christ and ask him to forgive us our sins, to save us, to come to live in our lives, we receive the gift of eternal life. And as Christians... We no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to be in control of death. And it's not a hope so. It's a no so. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ resurrection is not something we just celebrate once a year at easter with our families back in the day i wouldn't be able to see past the first few rows because of the hats but we don't do that much anymore not just a time to get dressed up, although I am in a tie, you'll note. The resurrection is the most important doctrine in Scripture, save the the fact that God is. Because if Jesus didn't do what he said he would do which is to come back from the grave in three days. We have no basis to believe anything that he said. But Jesus did do what he promised he would do. With almighty God in our hearts through Jesus Christ, we have victory. Goodness will last. Light will overcome darkness. And life will triumph over death.